just before the talk at the um, last sitting, a yogi came up to me, and I hope this yogi doesn't mind my saying this because I didn't tell him that I was going to say this. But I want to use it as an example of something that I want to point to tonight. It was about 20 to 7, and he came up to my room, and he said, I need to talk to you for a minute. And he said, I am so tired. I am so fatigued. I'm so exhausted. I don't want to sit anymore. He said, I went as... I was sitting in the hall, and I just had to leave. I just, I'm, I just am so tired of meditating. <laughs> uh, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do with this exhaustion, with this fatigue? And I said, is there anything you really need to do? Maybe you need to do nothing. You know, Maybe you have already come to quite a natural state within yourself, but you're trying to add something on top of that, and you feel totally exhausted by doing that. Why not just rest into that natural state? And just as, as we were there, he just kind of looked at me, and he, I said, are you, are you, just do that, let go. Are you present now? And he said, yeah. I said, do you have to do anything? He said, no. I said, okay, that's what matters, is that quality of presence, that quality of wakefulness. You don't have to add anything more to that. Because the adding to it is tiring. (laughs) When we're already where we need to be, when we're already quite present and awake, what has to be done? What has to be done except just to see what arises, what's present there, what needs to be attended to, what needs to be responded to. So it was lovely. It was a lovely interaction. Uh, this person understood. I said, just go out. Just, just do whatever you need to do just to relax into that natural state right now. And it was really, it's really a good uh, example of what I want to point to this evening, what I, what I really felt I wanted to speak to you about this evening. Because what I, what I sensed, and I'd sensed for a few days now, is that I wanted to talk to you about trust. I wanted to talk to you about just that, that sense of being able to let go of that effort, that struggle, the control that we continually think we need to bring to our experience and to trust what is there when we do that. And I want to uh, go on a little bit of a journey with you today as I was reflecting on how I wanted to present this topic to you. I felt like I was on the journey as well, which sometimes happens when I'm... uh, It's my evening to give a talk and to be here with you in these teachings. I also go on that that, that teaching, on that that journey with that teaching. And today, since it was the uh, theme of trust, I noticed that I kept dropping into a state within myself of letting go and relaxing and trusting. And when I did that, there wasn't anything I wanted to say. 
just felt so relaxed. <laughs> so connected and <laughs> so at one with all of you. But then I thought, and I even spoke with Eugene about this, I said, but there's some expectation when we sit up here. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to offer some kind of, you know, structural, conceptual teaching, you know, so that you understand what, this, uh, what we're doing here. So it was a very interesting dance, you know, very interesting dance to uh, play with that particular... Uh, aspect of the teaching of letting go and relaxing and then coming into that wonderful place of uh, centeredness and connection, which is what we're trying to uh, communicate to you, point to you uh, again and again. And yet something tonight, something did need to arise out of that space. And so I'm going to <laughs> see, see if I can, can keep going with it here. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, if from that relaxed state, does anything have to be done? You know, does anything really have to be done? Perhaps, perhaps the doing already happens. Right when, when we are in that uh, place within ourselves where we feel that true uh, contentment, a true sense of peace. And maybe something uh, gets communicated beyond the words, beyond the words. And then trusting this, too. More and more coming into a place of trust where we can, we can trust into the silence and that the silence itself begins to speak. The silence itself begins to deliver a message that doesn't really need the whole set of concepts and structures and frameworks and the story of our past and the story of our future and the story of our present. But somehow we can really uh, let the silence itself speak. And one teacher, oh, I remember uh, when one teacher was speaking about this, he recalled that poetry seems to be the vehicle that comes the closest to be able to communicate from that place of silence. So we don't get so caught up in the conceptual framework of how we know things to be in our rational, linear way, but poetry has a way of, of going beyond that. There's a poem, actually, that I'd like to share with you that was written uh, just a few months ago by one of my yogis, one of my friends who was on a retreat with me in Canada. She actually, here on the side of the page, it says, Sharda, an in-the-moment poem. And... Uh, this is, was in, the, in Saskatchewan, in the prairies, in May. And I've been going now to the prairies for about eight years, a couple time, once a year, a couple times a year, and I'm really starting to fall in love with the prairies. There's uh, a silence uh, that comes through the, the nature there that unless somebody really spends time there, it's, it would be easy to miss, you could sort of drive through well, drive for 500 miles through. 
maybe a thousand miles. <laughs> I think Miocian's laughing because she's actually been out from there. Born, 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 <laughs> born there. <laughs> and this is in Regina, Saskatchewan. It's called A Prairie Sandwich. And she wrote this in the middle of her retreat. It came to her spontaneously. A Prairie Sandwich. I'm nestled down into the soft spring green leaves of my prairie sandwich. I like being the filling here between earth and sky. Ah, but this is a gourmet sandwich, this gold prairie greening with spring, the clouds scudding low, all at the same height, with buttons sliced straight and clear as if with the sharpest of bread knives. Saucy sprigs of flowering woof willow and tender shoots of new sage and the sweet joys of Saskatoon and choke cherry blossoms spice this delight. And oh, did you know, this sandwich has voices too, a veritable talking sandwich in the cadences of geese and meadowlark and oriole and thrush, not to mention the wind, whispering the precious truth of constant change. And oh yes, the playful beating of the hearts of everything. And so sometimes when we're able to relax and let go, let go, what, what are we letting go of? We're letting go of the, of the burden, the heaviness of our past which comes through our minds, which affects our emotions, our bodies. We feel the heaviness. We feel the weight. And we start to let go. We start to relax. And here, in this retreat, and sometimes when we're in nature, into the silence of things. And then something else touches us. Something unexpected. Something really precious that that perhaps we didn't even know that we had access to. This woman, I know she isn't, she doesn't necessarily have an easy life. There's a lot of struggle, there's a lot of turmoil in her life. But when she comes into these places of silence on, on retreat, and when she goes into the prairies and does the walks and spends time outdoors, something deeply touches her that replenishes her, that, that nourishes her soul, and how vital that's needed. Can't, can't go on in this challenging, chaotic, suffering world, world filled with suffering. It's not only a suffering world, but this world filled with so much pain. We have to come into places where we can be replenished, where our soul can awaken, where our hearts can be touched. I think it's too difficult otherwise. There's a Tibetan text that this is a translation from. Beneath the pauper's house, there are inexhaustible treasures But the pauper never realizes this, and the treasures never say, I am here. 
So we need to look for these treasures because here we are, here we are, we're telling you a secret, you know, and the Eastern traditions and the uh, ancient traditions, they say there's a secret under the house. There are hidden treasures. And the house isn't the house out there, <laughs> you know, it's our house. We have to, we have to, we have to look back into our own house, our own home, and find the treasures that are there. But we do this through the relaxation and the letting go, because when we're in conditions, when we're in situations that bring about a lot of agitation and tension and chaos. It's very difficult, particularly if we're not take, getting times away or having, uh, we don't have situations that give us support or uh, people that we can talk to who understand or places of refuge you know, that we can go to. It's very hard because when we go back into those situations that are um, difficult. We, we, our, our old patterns get re-stimulated. And it's more difficult to uh, be present, to be insightful, to be clear, to respond in ways that are helpful and beneficial. We so easily can get caught. And this is true at any time along the path, anywhere along the path, no matter how much practice we've done. I see this in myself. Sometimes it's incredible how much I get caught. And it seems unbelievable, <laughs> given how, you know, how much practice I've done. It's like, how can this be, you know, that I still can't see past this particular pattern, this particular habit? So this is where the, uh, the vigilance of attention needs to be applied in these times where we find we are lost in the old again. That's when we need to draw on our resources, on our tools, on the teachings, on the gifts that we've been given through our practices. It's not that we throw everything out. We say, oh, you know, I don't need anything anymore. I just have to relax and let go. Nothing to hold on to, you know. That's not. That's a. That's a bit of a misconception. A bis, bit of a misunderstanding. We have to see that in the right perspective. You know, there's a time for the relaxation and the letting go, and then there's a time for practice. Practice meaning using some uh, intentionality, some uh, a will to direct the attention back to what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking or what I'm engaged in, what I'm saying, uh, what the actions are that are happening. Sometimes my mind may not be very steady, uh, may not be very bright, and I need to uh, rein in my attention, rein in my awareness with a little bit more effort and sometimes with a lot of effort, you know, to be really present, to be really still, with what's happening in the, in the relationship or the situation. But we need to get that in balance so that we're not always thinking that we have to do the practice. Like I think this 
uh, man was who I spoke about at the beginning of the talk. You know, the doing the practice. Sometimes we just let go. It's enough. It's enough. Relax. Relax. Let go. There was this um, poem that, uh, not so much of a poem, more of a prose that Howie read in one of his talks um, from Venerable Lama Gundan Rinpoche. Just that I love the first two lines of of the of the prose. It says, "Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already there in relaxation and letting go." Happiness is already there. It's 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 what we find uh, is is present in the letting go, if we can, if we can. When we come into a protected environment such as this, you know, I'm sure that uh, you know, many people mention how safe they feel here. You know, it's, it's truly a remarkable place, isn't it? You know, particularly as the days go on and you feel more settled, you feel more adjusted to the environment here, it has such a sense of safety which comes through the immense support that is given to you in being here. There's really nothing that you need to think about. You know? I mean, I think one of the, you know, you may have to... um, Think about when your yogi job is, you know, or um, I mean, what? I can't think of <laughs> I can't think of too many things that you have to think about, you know. If things are all taken care of here for you, and I remember when I was sitting, I've done a number of three month courses here, and I remember particularly the last three month course I did a few years ago. Um, I remember feeling like it was like being in a womb, you know. It's like like there was just nothing that was rubbing against me from the outer. So protected, I felt so safe. And in that safety, we can more easily let go. We can more easily relax because we don't have to deal with all the things that we're usually dealing with. You know? and, and when we're out in our daily life, there have, there's some, we've, we do have to kind of restructure ourselves, kind of reconfigure ourselves to meet the challenges in some way, you know, because we don't have a, 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 a full readiness to walk open into the world. You know, it takes a great deal of wisdom, a great deal of skill, a great deal of compassion to walk into the world that way. And in order to do that, it requires a lot of understanding, a lot of wisdom. So of course we need to kind of reconfigure into some of our old patterns again so that we can function. We can uh, uh, relate to the world without completely collapsing and falling apart. But here we can. Here we can let go. And that's what we want. You know, that's what this place is set up for so that we, we we encourage you, let go. Everything's here for you. Everything's taken care of. Just relax here. And doing that, the sense of ourself, the way that we know ourself to be, kind of says, okay, 
I think it's okay now. Maybe I can relax. You know, the ego sort of peeks out and looks around and says, yeah, I think it's okay. It's, a, it's, not, it's not too much to be frightened about here, you know? And so looking around and then just we're letting go a little bit more and a little bit more. And when we do that, we start to loosen our grip on control. And if we're not so controlling, we kind of step back just a little bit, not interfering so much with the way things are happening, the way things are opening and uh, developing and unfolding, we start to see that actually a lot's going on anyhow. You know, it's sort of like, it seems it, meaning our process, has a journey of its own. And in fact, the more that I get out of the way, the more it allows for this process to unfold with incredible richness and aliveness. And that's important for us to see, that we don't have to continually try to get in there and fix things and try to make things better, and try to make things work, and figure things out, and understand things, and analyze things, and figure out solutions, and what needs to happen next. But to start relaxing that control more and more and more, and just saying, well, things are happening actually quite nicely. Anyhow, (laughs) you know? In fact, there's the possibility, as I'm letting go of some of the layers of holding and the barriers to my heart, that I may be able to start touching into some old wounds or old patterns, old memories, old aspects of myself that I haven't given attention to, or I haven't known about, or I've kind of pushed aside, or I haven't had time for, or it hasn't seemed important. You know, maybe, you know, like one woman who mentioned that she had tremendous grief. She's had a lot of grief for a number of years, and she's been working with that grief, but not until now did she really touch it in a way that she never has before. And it felt so good to finally go into the grief at, the, at that level that she did here. Because of the opening, because of the space, because of the ah, possibility that is given here, both with the outer and the inner, that we bring to it. So as we begin to let go of this control, of this interference, we have the potential to touch something in ourselves that we don't usually have access to. It's something that we are longing for, something that we know in our hearts is what we want dearly more than anything else. You might say even it's the, the keys, the keys to our house the keys to our inner heart. So we can finally open that door to see what's there. 
I was just on a retreat with um, one of my teachers now, Sokni Rinpoche, uh, Tibetan teacher from uh, Nepal. And he, was, he told a little story which is, has really stayed with me, um, uh, which is why I'm telling you now. It's just, it's just really uh, very present with me. And he told a story about uh, uh, one of his Tibetan friends who was going to uh, jump out of an airplane with a parachute for the first time. <laughs> I had to, had to mention that it is with a parachute. For, for, the <laughs> for the first time. And he was telling about this friend. He said how oh, his friend was, he talks with, you know, his English is his second language, and so it's, uh, when he speaks English, it's a little bit choppy. He said, he was so afraid. He was so, he was so fearful, so much fear, so much fear. And he was in the airplane and, and had the parachute on his back, and there was so much fear, so much fear. <laughs> and then they opened the door, and he looks, I said, so much worry, so much worry, so much fear. And he jumped. And the worry, so much worry, still going, fear going. And then he pulled the cord, and the parachute went up, and <sighs> Just the falling. And he said, let your practice be like that. Pull the cord. Jump and pull the cord. <laughs> and let yourself fall. And, and as he was telling it, and because it was such a contrast, you know, I just got that sense of, ah. And so, so, so lately, this is just about two weeks ago, you know, I just, that, that image keeps coming to me. Let your practice be like that. And there's just a sense of, ah, just letting myself fall, rather than that, the usual ah, sense of having to hold on for dear life, you know, so things will happen a certain way. But just let go, fall. I said this to um, one of the women in one of the small groups, and, you know, uh, as, a, as a suggestion for her practice, and and she said, oh, I've jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> she said, I know what it feels like. <laughs> so I can, you know, I can use that. I said, oh, wonderful, you know. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said um, she said, yeah, and there's a time, yeah, be- before, when you jump out of the airplane, before you pull the cord, where you're really free-falling, you know, where there's no parachute, <laughs> And you're just, you know, in the air. And I said, oh, boy, you must have been really afraid. She said, no. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So then I wondered if I really needed to give her that instruction. (laughs) So that she knew both the free fall before the pulling the cord and then the free fall after. So just that, you know, maybe we can just jump. Maybe the practice in some way is that learning to jump, learning to trust enough that we can make the jump, that maybe things will really be okay. It's such a hard thing to get because as soon as we say that the mind says, well, how can everything be okay just because I jump? You know, the mind wants to come in and make a whole story out of it, 
you know, well, this is wrong and that's wrong and I've got to do this and, I've, you know, we have to take care of that and the world's going to pot and, you know, everything's in crisis and you can't just say everything's going to be okay. That isn't it. That misses the whole point. The ego comes in and, you know, wants to hold on again to its story. So what if we just let go of that too? Just let go of that too. Just fall. (laughs) Just go with it. There's this wonderful teacher, actually. It's one of Eugene's teacher, A.H. Almas, also known as Hamid. He gave a quote from Hamid the other night. Hamid is a teacher in in the California area and has a wonderful way of synthesizing both the uh, the Eastern philosophy of the Western psychology, the sort of the blending all of this together, just wonderful. Uh, I love what I've heard and what I've read of his teachings. And I have this passage here from one of his books that I'd like to share with you about trust. He says, we, we don't trust that if we relax... We will have the capacities, we will have the intelligence, we will have the strength, we will have the compassion that we need to deal with our lives. How about that? I think that's rather radical, actually. You know, it's not that when we let go that everything is going to fall apart and, you know, then we have to learn the tools to kind of help us get things back together, but that we will have the intelligence. We will have the capacity. We will have the compassion that we need. Can we trust that? Can you, can you, can you let that one in? Can you take that one on? We don't trust, uh, Hamid says, we don't trust that reality as it is. And I highlight as it is. Is fundamentally fine and will work for us and support us without any interference on our part. As it is. He says that basic trust, he calls it basic trust, is learning that life is manageable, is workable, that we can relax into it and just let it be. It is the trust that the universe itself supports us and that we have the inner resources to deal with whatever life presents us. Right now, in the letting go, in the trust. By just for a moment, or a few moments right now, maybe just opening to this possibility, like jumping into this possibility, that maybe there will be a safety net there underneath you as you fall. And he goes on, I'll go on, he says... So basic trust means trusting enough to let your mind stop, to be silent within, you know, so that we don't have to just keep 
figuring everything out all the time, you know, trying to find solutions, which our mind does. It races for solutions. I've got to figure it out. I've got to understand. I've got to make this work for me. But Hamid says, trust to let yourself be silent within, knowing that if there is something you need to know, the knowing will come. It means trusting that if you need to do something, you'll be able to do it. It means accepting and trusting the silence, the stillness, the beingness. If we don't trust, Hamid says, we can't let our minds be silent and we can't let ourselves be still. So it seems that a lot of the inner agitation that we feel, and the inner agitation is what fuels the restless mind, the mind that is constantly searching for something that is going to bring that fulfillment, that is going to bring the mind to peace, the heart to peace. If we don't trust that, if we don't come into some sense of trust within ourselves, of course the mind is going to be agitated. And that agitation is going to uh, pull us towards these different things in our life that we think are going to do it for us. You know, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, a relationship or a job or money or, um, you know, may not even be that pure, you know, gambling or drugs or alcohol, um, sex or uh, whatever it is, you know, that that something's going to, you know, give us that, that, that contentment, that inner contentment. But when we do that, we find constantly that the very thing that we go to for refuge falls apart. Hmm? It doesn't last, as uh, all the, the last few Dharma talks have been pointing to. We can't go for refuge in anything outside of ourselves. And at some point, we come along on our spiritual path and we just say, yeah, nothing's working anymore. I can't turn in any direction. There's, there's nothing out there that's doing it for me. You know? And then, you know, we, whether we've had addictions or whether we've had uh, different kinds of uh, suffering in our, in our lives, you know, or... Um, lots of different uh, psychological difficulties. It's like everywhere we turn, it's like nothing seems to be working. And so we have to come back to ourselves. We have to come back to our own heart. We have to come back to our own beingness. That seems to be where the solution, the final resolution lies. Because every time we put our hand out to try to grab something, to, to get something, to pull something, to own something, possess something, to help us out, it falls apart. And we're lucky when things last for a while. I mean, it's like if a relationship or um, you know, a job or our house or possessions, our, uh, our, our lifestyle, our bodies, our health, um, if, it, if, if, if things are holding together, 
I think we should feel tremendous gratitude and appreciation in this unreliable and unstable world because we don't know how long it's going to be there because the nature of all things are to fall apart. So at some point, you know, we finally get this. And so I remember a time for myself, too, when, when my mind would keep moving, you know, to some kind of idea or fantasy or plan or vision or something that I thought, oh, yeah, that's going to do it. And I could feel the, the, the excitement or the pleasure, the titillation arising inside of me. And then I would remember, maybe, maybe that'll happen. Maybe it'll work out like that. And then I would come back to myself and come back to a place of silence again where I know that that lasting fulfillment truly lives, where the jewels to, where the keys to my happiness are. And I, and I can remember a time where even, you know, as, as my mind would just start, you know, the start the story and the feeling would start to rise, I'd catch it really fast because I know that it's not going to do it. Yeah, that's okay. It was okay to have the vision, to have the plan, to have the, the hope and the idea, but also not to lose sight of the reality. The reality is, I don't know. I don't know. And so then I can keep moving in that direction because that's what life is about. Life is about vision and plans and creating and building and developing and uh, making things better. And that's, what, that's, the, that's our story of this humanity. And so I do that. I do that. But I don't forget. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. And that maybe, and that I don't know, <laughs> keeps me here. This keeps me here. So yeah, my mind starts to uh, weave a, a lovely vision of possibility, but I don't lift out of where I am. I haven't lost myself in the vision. There's some, there's some perspective about what place that vision has in the larger scheme of things. And in the larger scheme of things, it's actually not that important. What's important is staying in touch with the true reality. The true reality being just this. Just this moment here and now. This is all that is, this is all that we know is true. This is all that we know is true. Any other thought that arises out of this moment is just a fantasy or a memory of the past. The past that is no longer with us, it's just a memory. And the future that has not been born, just a thought. But this, this which we cannot name, 
this, when I bring any concept into it, starts to define it and limit it, make it into something that then it isn't anymore. So this, this immediacy, this immediate reality, right here and now, when I am in touch with that, then there's the potential for something truly fresh to be born. Something truly and wholly new that's not tainted from the past. Has a freshness, has immediacy. And then the plans visions and ideas, then, then they're, they're held within this freshness. Because we, we are in touch with the source, with the, with, the, with the ground of that creation. And when the memory of the past arises, we're not lost, we don't get pulled into the past and, 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 and carried away in all the the turmoil and the chaos that can only belong to the past, relating to the past, the past issues. And we can be in touch with where we are right now. There's the possibility to, to again, let go and to uh, be connected to this freshness, to this immediacy, to the now where the past is not happening. <laughs> That past memory, that past idea, that history. It's not here now. It's only when I pull it in from that part of my brain. I pull it in. And sometimes there's good reason to do that. Sometimes I need to do that. Sometimes those memories are very, very helpful and very useful, and they can give rise to a great deal of self-understanding and a great deal of growth. But again, if I'm grounded in the immediacy of the present, I'm not so lost. I'm not so deceived by my mind. But I'm in touch with something that is actually much more true. Something much more real. And that's why we, we, we say... <laughs> This is the true reality. This is the true reality. The past is our, our memory that has, it's gone. The future is, is an idea, a thought. It hasn't been born yet. So it has a reality, but it has a different kind of reality. We, we call it a conventional reality or, or a relative reality. But this... This, this, <laughs> it's a different reality than that reality. Different in the way I'm talking about it right now, but of course not different, because how can it be? But we call that reality the immediacy, the, the freshness, the newness, the nowness, the presence. We say that's the absolute reality or the ultimate reality because it can't be tainted. It can't be 
nothing, it can't be changed, it can't be hurt, it can't, it's immutable. And so when we're able to stay grounded, when we're able to stay in touch, when we're able to stay connected to that, everything else takes on a different flavor, a different essence. And maybe we say, well, that's when you're in touch with reality. You know, we use that phrase, they're really out of touch with reality. In touch with reality. We know what's real. We know what's true. And we know what's not true. We know what's false. We start making sense out of all of that. This is from Rumi, a great poet. Something opens our wings. Something makes boredom and hurt disappear. Someone fills the cup in front of us. We taste only sacredness. This is another, another one from Rumi. And this is, this is good because it starts off by saying, Rumi says, don't worry about saving these songs. And in a way, that line is really so perfect for this retreat. <laughs> you know, the songs of the Dharma, the songs of the meditations, the songs of all the amazing things that have happened here. starts off, don't worry about saving these songs. And if one of our instruments breaks, it doesn't matter. We have fallen into the place where everything is music. The strumming and the flute notes rise in the atmosphere, and even if the whole world's harp should burn up, there will still be hidden instruments playing. Can we trust that? And we trust that there will still be the hidden instruments playing. This is what we're listening for. When we let our minds get very quiet, we get very still, we, we trust that we can let go of the past, even for just a little bit, even for a moment, we can not pick up the future moment. Just for one moment, we say, I'm going to just, just have faith. I'm just going to have a little faith in this moment. And let's see if I can hear that hidden instrument. Hear the music that is always playing. Let me just see if I could do that. And so we have all these practices, we have all these teachings, we have all this encouragement, this inspiration for the possibility of touching in 
to the true reality, which is your true refuge. And refuge, it's such a beautiful word. It's a refuge. Refuge means place of protection, a place where you will be protected. So my wish for you is that you find your true refuge and that you jump. (laughs) Let go and see where you fall. Let's sit for a minute together. worry about saving these songs. If one of our instruments breaks, it doesn't matter. We have fallen into the place where everything is music. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.